Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Sports Illustrated's Coronavirus and Sports. This is Luis Miguel Echegaray. Every weekday, we'll take you through the latest on how the spread of COVID-19 is impacting professional leagues, tournaments, and the people around them. And we'll try to wrap our heads around what sports looks like in the midst of a pandemic. Today, the NBA. We'll be talking to SI senior writer Chris Mannix and taking a closer look at the third highest grossing sports league in the world and its outlook after indefinitely suspending the 2019-2020 season. We'll also chat with staff writer Jeremy Wu to discuss the uncertainty inside college basketball and the next class of NBA prospects grappling with a difficult choice. When the NBA shut down operations and suspended the remainder of its 2020 season, the rest of the sports world took notice and largely followed suit. Now, more than a week removed from that fateful decision, the NBA's every move is under the microscope, and what it does next could be critical in learning how sports can come back from coronavirus. Joining us now is NBA senior writer Chris Mannix. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. The NBA suspended its season on March 11th, the first professional American sports league to do so. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of updates. We're recording this a week later. Tell us where things stand now as the effects of this decision have started to take shape. Well, everything right now is in the same holding pattern that other leagues are in. Um, the NBA is using the CDC recommendations of eight weeks of crowds of no more than 50 as being a minimum time to return. After that, they'll just have to see just what the landscape looks like. Uh, the vast majority of NBA owners that would love to find some way to finish the season, uh, the most significant form of revenue for owners and by extension for players is that television revenue. So even if they have to play games in empty arenas, in G League arenas, in practice facilities, uh, they would love to find a way to get that done. But 
the minimum timeline remains what everybody's minimum timeline is, which is through the middle of May, and then it's a reevaluation process. Chris, as you mentioned, there's a, a 30-day wait, also reports saying maybe a June return, who knows. Do you think personally that this is a little too optimistic? Well, I think it's optimistic based on the information that we have and the predictions that we have from officials that uh, have a grasp of what this disease is and where it's ultimately going. Uh, there seems to be uh, a large amount of evidence and a lot of uh, smart people saying that it's going to get worse before it gets better, that the number of infections is going to grow. The number of infections in the NBA has grown. Uh, in the league alone, four members of the Brooklyn Nets, including Kevin Durant, tested positive for coronavirus. And there's certainly a belief in the NBA that that number uh, will climb in the coming weeks and months. So uh, it, it's optimistic based on the current set of circumstances, but like everybody else, we just don't know where this virus is going. Two months from now, will we see uh, a significant enough decline to start talking about playing sports again? Uh, or will it be as bad or worse that takes the season completely off the table? Let's stick to that point that you were talking about, the rise of players in the NBA. You wrote a piece recently about Utah Jazz, of course, and the obstacles they have to deal with, with uh, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, obviously the Nets, as you mentioned. Just how big of a mountain is this for teams, not just from a physical and playing standpoint, but contractual and personal? Well, on a personal level, I think the biggest issue involves Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I had written last week that Mitchell was extremely frustrated with Gobert and, and how this whole thing played out. And the people that saw Mitchell on Good Morning America earlier in the week, he basically confirmed all that reporting by his answer to the question of, have you spoken with Rudy Gobert? So if you're the Utah Jazz, whenever this ends you're going to have to make sure that your two franchise cornerstones are on the same page, that they can continue to coexist moving forward. I think it's more likely than not that they can. Gobert's been contrite in the aftermath of all this. Mitchell uh, is a terrific guy and, and a very easygoing guy, and I would imagine after some time passes he gets over this, but that's certainly something to watch in the NBA moving forward. And contractually, there's going to come a point for NBA owners – where they're going to say, we don't want to pay player salaries anymore. And look, there is language in the collective bargaining agreement that gives them this right. Uh, a force majeure clause, which says when there is an epidemic in place, that's one of the reasons that the NBA can uh, suspend the payment or percentage of payment uh, to all players. So there are a lot of players out there kind of bracing for that possibility, even that likelihood in the coming months. You talked about Donovan Mitchell being on GMA earlier this week, uh, his frustrations with his teammate. What's the overall just sentiment from players? How are they feeling towards this? Are they optimistic? Are they frustrated? Are they just getting by on a daily basis? What are you getting the sense of? Well, they're certainly anxious. And, uh, you know, look, you, the anxiety sometimes manifests itself in humor. We've seen uh, a lot of players have some really interesting TikTok videos and Instagram posts and just kind of giving people a glimpse into how they're biding their time, which is not a lot you know, dissimilar from how we are biding our time, just sort of locked in and trying to figure out uh, what you can do next. I saw John Morant did a, 
a fake introduction uh, to the starting lineup in his full uniform in his house. I've seen Taco Fall uh, doing dance moves in his house. I mean, these guys are 20-somethings that are bored out of their mind, for lack of a better phrase. So, you know, that that's sort of the, the uh, a part of it. But, yeah, look, I think the players that I've talked to, and there's been a number of them, um, the ones that haven't tested positive for coronavirus are certainly anxious to get tested themselves. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets had, at best, a very loose connection to the Utah Jazz. I mean, the Nets played the Celtics about a week or two before uh, the end of the season. Uh, that's not uh, a, a direct enough connection to say that they're a high-risk type of team, and yet four players tested positive. So there are a lot of players and coaches, for that matter, around the league that are anxious to get tests, but the reality is there aren't a lot of, of tests available. And, look, the NBA has taken some criticism for the number of players and teams that have gotten tests while other people are out there who don't have millions who are anxious to get tests. It's, it's a little – it's not quite the true story to it all. I mean, what happened with the Jazz was Oklahoma State officials said, we need to test all you guys because Rudy Gobert was the first positive test in Oklahoma City, and they wanted to make sure or at least check to see how far this virus might have potentially spread. That's why as many as 60 players on the Jazz and staff members were ultimately tested for that, uh, that virus. There have been cases of teams flexing their muscle and using money to get tests. The Nets are a prime example. The Lakers uh, are, are another example. But it's not as simple as rich guys get tests. A lot of these players and teams that have been tested are being tested because health officials have determined them to be high-risk type of people. Sports Illustrated's NBA senior writer, Chris Mannix. Chris, thank you so much. You got it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So we've learned that the NBA has a lot of hurdles to clear before we can start thinking about a return to action on the court. But what about players who aren't in the league yet? With March Madness cancelled, how should NBA prospects in the college ranks approach this crisis? Joining us now is staff writer Jeremy Wu. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. Hey man, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to hear your voice. Listen, let's get straight to it. The NBA is on lockdown and the NCAA has canceled March Madness, which leaves college hoops players in a tough situation. Tell us where things currently stand with regards to the timeline that teams and prospects are operating on right now. The timeline is really the big issue, uh, I think, across the uh, basketball industry right now, um, you know, between, you know, college players who want to go into the draft Uh, NBA teams don't know when the draft's going to be. The NBA hasn't decided when the draft's going to be. Uh, you know, we don't even know if there's going to be a season, uh, right? So there are a lot of dominoes that need to fall. From now, they have about a month to submit paperwork to the NBA's undergraduate advisory committee. So for guys who want to turn pro, that's a necessary step. 
Uh, basically, you ask the league for feedback, and the league, you know, canvases front offices and gets feedback from these players to give them an idea of, you know, whether they'll be drafted, in what range. But beyond that, there's really not that much that's been determined. Uh, you know, I've talked to people all over the league, people with teams, uh, people who work for the NBA, and everyone's a little bit uncertain, understandably so, uh, right now as to, you know, how things are going to line up, uh, just the logistics of players, uh, you know, traveling to work out for teams before the draft is already a challenge, right? Uh, much less having big events like the draft combine or pro days, you know, it's, it's really a whole season that's very travel heavy. You know, guys are flying every day, sometimes um, multiple times a week, many obvious, but you know, still difficult hurdles, uh, you know, to really help yourself as a prospect uh, and for, for teams to sort of get a better feel for who these guys are. So lots of challenges I think guys are sort of wrestling with and again, with a moving timeline. So obviously, as you mentioned, uh, uncertainty is the key word here. How might the pandemic be influencing a prospect's decision to even enter the NBA at all right now, as opposed to just staying in school uh, another year? Yeah, I, I think that's the question a lot of people are asking. You know, it's, it's very case by case. Uh, you know, if you're a freshman who, you know, wants to turn pro, but you're not like a surefire first round pick, you know, there, there's no really real harm in, in testing. Uh, because you're allowed to return to college now, right? But, you know, with, you know, the economy obviously being sort of in flux right now too, uh, you know, is there an advantage to, um, you know, maybe you want to just, if you can get a guaranteed deal undrafted or in the second round, uh, is that enough to say, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to make this leap now? Or, or, you know, on the flip side, maybe you feel like, you know, if you're undervalued, there's not enough opportunity for you. Uh, you want to come back to college, uh, you know, star, next season and hopefully use that platform uh, to make the leap. Uh, so hopefully we see guys make good decisions. Hopefully they listen to the feedback they get. Um, but that, that's something that's a little, still a little bit unpredictable, I think, at this point. So I know you well. I know that you travel a lot. You talk to a lot of people, uh, players, uh, staff, even fans. Two questions, I guess, I had. My first one was, what is the overall sense you're getting from players just the overall feeling the way that they are right now and the second part is what's the best case scenario for them uh, you know at this point yeah you know i mean it's it's heartbreaking it sucks i mean you know context notwithstanding i mean there are bigger you know things going on obviously right now than sports but you know these guys work all season uh you know to be in a position to play on a big stage you know there are guys on teams who I never played in the tournament who are, you know, going to get there for the first time, uh, you know, or had, you know, conference tournaments as a chance to sort of play their way in. Right. So, so all that's lost. I think, I think the emotional toll on, on athletes is pretty tough. I mean, I mean, best case, I mean, you, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen as far as NCAA, the NCAA, you know, granting waivers for another year, like for basketball, I don't know if they can really do it just because of the scholarship issues that creates, you know, you do have freshmen coming in next year. Uh, you know, taking guys' spots. And, you know, for, if you're a player right now too, you know, you're trying to, you know, pick an agent, uh, you know, trying to find ways to meet with agents. You know, I've talked to agents who are still traveling and, you know, flying around the country trying to get meetings done and, uh, you know, sign players. And, you know, that stuff hasn't stopped. But if you put yourself in their shoes, I mean, it's, it's just tougher to make an informed decision right now, I think. I talked to an agent today. He was like, yeah, you know, all the parents are asking me for answers and, you know, I'm not 100% sure, right? So it's, it's tough for everyone. Jeremy Wu, NBA, College Hoops, uh, staff writer for Sports Illustrated. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime. Thanks to Chris Mannix and Jeremy Wu for joining me today. 
We'll continue bringing you these stories throughout the coronavirus crisis. If you like what we're doing, please recommend us to a friend or a family member and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. You can listen to Coronavirus and the Sports for free wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to subscribe or follow us for the latest episodes. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.